poor Mr. Grinch. You didn't leave a stone unturned. You can't afford the bus. Lower middle class, maybe. You're deathly allergic to tree nuts, and your exact address is this, huh? Mr. Grinch. No, no, no. I, I, 1482 don't... Mount Crumpet Boulevard. Holy shit. Whoville, Michigan. That's my address. What are you gonna do? I mailed your bitch ass a bag of nuts. This is a song that kids sing? Every year they sing this, like around the Christmas tree. Yeah. A song that says bitch. It has said bitch like three times. Welcome to the sixth annual Undie Awards, the award show that scientists have declared a tragically perfect pairing with seasonal affective disorder. Please welcome your hosts, David Hart and Jack Selby. Welcome to our distinguished guests, guys, gals, non-binary pals. We come to you for the sixth annual Undie Awards, episode 81 of Under Employed. A very festive celebration. We are live tonight from the Diamond in Richmond, continuing our trend of locations that either have been condemned or in this case are very, very near the razor's edge of uh, con uh, condemnation. That's not a word. Uh, <laughs> I mean, condemnation is a word, just not necessarily used in this sense. But definitely not. Um, so as David and I were talking before, you kind of hear this echoey sound that sounds exactly like when David's remote and not with me in Richmond. Quite the contrary. First of all, how dare you? Yeah, you know, we, we do this content for you people. Be grateful. And... David's here at the Diamond. It's just, David, you kind of explain it. So, stipulation put forward to us by the venue ownership because this is a still active minor league ballpark. Mm -hmm. We had to broadcast the sound through their mic system, mm -hmm. which leads to a fair bit of reverb. It sounds sort of like, it's sort of like, I should say, in TV to get into the weeds of it. There's a license that you can pay to play music directly, but if you're broadcasting a game and you hear licensed music over the PA, you don't have to pay for that music. That's sort of what this is. We had to do the equivalent of that, and it's complicated. Nutsy and Natasha had to get involved from the squirrels, but we're here. We're in front of, I would say, about, oh, 13, 14,000 people. As we say every year, if you don't know how this works, go back and listen to the first five, then you'll understand it. Um, David, if you're ready, we start with your category, if you want, uh, the uh, Schoolboy Q Honorary Man of the Year Award. So, we have four nominees, mm -hmm. maybe five. I don't know if Jack has one that I'm not aware of. Yeah. Travis Kelsey. I mean, boy, did he skyrocket to fame this year. And I had already, one of those things where it's like, this is, it's Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen. Yes. Like, He's very famous in his own. In, I mean, she's also from the U.S., but like, yeah, she is. And and the numbers Jack pointed out about the streaming stuff yesterday, she is many times more famous than yeah. than he is globally. And to your point, uh, he which, is, yeah. which doesn't surprise me because yeah, the like, NFL is very localized to the U.S. There's but two it, countries that pay that actively pay attention to the NFL, and they're both in this continent. Yes. Maybe three, if we want to, if we if we want to be generous to Mexico. I was gonna say I was gonna say a country and a half because Mexico and Canada sort of kind of pay attention to it, but yeah. I the NFL, you got to remember that like something like eighty percent of the Canadian population lives within two hundred miles of the border. That does make sense. Uh, not my not my sister and her wife who decided not to do that for whatever reason. But hey, that's their choice. Hey, buddy. To your point, in this country where Travis Kelsey is is a famous football player, he's not some scrub. He's a two time Super Bowl winner. He hosted SNL. He's known. Yeah, people, um, people know who he is. He is he is a fairly big deal to people who pay attention to sports. And yet he was able to court Taylor Swift by pure just willing it into existence. Force of will. Yes. I mean, it also helps when you're 6'5 and handsome. Yeah, and super handsome and jacked. I guess that also helps. But uh, you know, I think Taylor Swift said it was like very metal and she was just thought that was so cool. And I mean, this not to get too detract, not too derailed, excuse me, from the awards, but that also gives me hope for my dream to date Megan Thee Stallion. That's for another episode at another time. We'll figure that out in the future. Look, uh, you can't do any worse than Tory Lanez. The thing goes... <laughs> Not to give too much away in my personal life, but the fact that I've never held a gun probably gives me at least a heads up in some way on Tory Lanez. I think that's a fine detail to divulge about your personal life. <laughs> that's fine. I think it makes you an American coward. 
it's fine detail to divulge. Fair point. Uh, so we got Kelsey. I've held more guns than you. I know. And you, you and I sometimes don't align politically, and I, you know, it's that's a fun little thing to figure out. But uh, all right, so Travis Kelsey's one nominee. Who else we got? Elon Musk. He was nominated. He won last year for Hot Take of the Year. He's one of those guys in perpetuity is in this category every year. Permanently, just way too online. As we've said before, too, David, the Man and Woman of the Year awards do not necessarily mean the most positive or in our mind best it's the time theory of who made the biggest impact period um so so elon musk fits that bill because he uh continues to as david said be terminally online which is a problem when you now own a social media app he's terminally online and actually i watched the most recent episode of uh, last week tonight and Elon Musk was the subject of that. And I think John Oliver and his team do, I think, a very good job of talking about the things that Elon Musk has done that are good mm-hmm. and the things that he's done that are bad and the situations he has now put the U.S. government into that are exceedingly problematic and really uh concerning for an unelected, unaccountable, non-native person to have the level of sway that he does over the U.S. government and U.S. policy. Similar vein. He's a nominee, I think, every single year in the Undy Awards for Man of the Year. The former now owner of the Washington Commanders, Dan Snyder. Who, let's point out, Dave and I were talking about this beforehand. In 1999, he bought the then Washington Redskins for eight. dollars Hundred million dollars, and then at the force of a metaphor, that, that could have bought him. A, that could have bought him a show of Hirotani in today's money. Yes, which we'll get to in a second. Um, so he sold it after tanking a once great franchise, completely destroying their value. Did not upkeep their stadium. He didn't build the stadium, but he did not upkeep it uh, to the point that DC, the consistently largest soccer watching market in the country is not going to have a World Cup game in the next World Cup. Right. They're going to have it. Mexico City's going to have a game. Toronto's going to have, or I think, yeah, Toronto's going to have a game. Is Baltimore going to have a game? Uh, I believe Philadelphia is where the closest one is. Okay. So, yeah. That should tell you just how bad things were. But he sold it for six point, I think, oh five billion dollars. The man failed up in a way that I don't think can be overstated. It is the greatest upward failing in, personally, I think U.S. history. I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, I mean, just raw... The team's been to the playoffs, what, twice during his ownership? It's like four or five. They've won two playoff games in the almost 25 years he owned the team. For some perspective, that's really, really, really bad. Um... Yeah. So, Dan Snyder, we salute you. The Jacksonville Jaguars have more conference finals appearances yes. in that time than the Commanders have playoff wins. And to your point, uh, the Commanders also have a whopping zero conference title appearances since Dan Snyder took it. It's it's amazing. And and six billion dollars, Dan Snyder. We don't like you, but. I we respect the upward mobility of that failure. As I don't even have to. You don't even have to respect it. You just have to acknowledge it. That's true. Which is what we do every year like, on this award show. Like, like we are not all disrespect to him. He <laughs> he comes across like a complete dickhead, an absolute sack of shit. And guess what, Dan? You can't sue me for that because it's a matter of opinion. One of our final nominees, at least on my list, Shohei Otani, as David mentioned earlier, uh, tenure. $700 million contract. I'm not going to go too much into depth on it, just either A, if he wins, but B, it's it's many details. I'll just say this, because we got this on the news of like how much is $700 million. It's larger than the biggest guaranteed contracts in the NBA, NFL, and NHL combined. It is more than the GDP of at least nine countries. Mm-hmm. It is more than the entire value of the Arizona Coyotes. 
It, yep. is, uh, it is more than the net worth of the Colorado Rockies. I'm about to say that was one I was going to say. It's, it's if, if not more about equal to the owner of the entire Colorado Rockies, who are now a division foe. It's a lot of money. So, and it's also somehow one of the most cap-friendly front-loaded yes. contracts or back-loaded contracts we've ever seen. Because he's deferring six hundred eighty million of it until uh, about uh, until the end of the contract. So, Shohei Otani uh, for playing baseball at a level that we've never seen quite like, uh, and for getting a small country's worth of money. We salute you for that, uh, David. If you either have more nominees, or are you ready to announce a winner? George Santos is another nominee that has to be considered yes. because the uh, a member of Congress has not been expelled from the body in more than a hundred years. It's it's another one. It's you know we're not necessarily respecting. We have yeah. to acknowledge the achievement. Yes, and we'll trust the me. Ig- the ignominy. Trust, trust us when we say George Santos will will be make whether he wins this award or not. He will be throughout this award show plenty more. So you will hear plenty more oh, of yeah. George Santos. I mean, we got to like. The man became the fastest launching account in Cameo's history. Right. Uh, I, you can't knock the hustle. I mean, you just can't. Um, you know, the joke is, the internet said, be gay, do crimes. They never specified what crimes. <laughs> that also reminds me, we have a really good uh, candidate for hot take of the year that just happened on the Senate floor. Uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> the... the uh... We'll get to that when we get there. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so David, you ready to announce your man of the year? You know, yeah, yeah. It's Dan Snyder. It's Dan Snyder. Yeah. It's Dan Snyder. Unfortunately, he's always been the bridesmaid, never the bride. Tonight he gets to wear the white gown. Um, David. Tonight, he, tonight, tonight he gets his white wedding. He. Uh, plenty of people in our neck of the woods would prefer he had a red wedding, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. I won't comment one way or the other, but... I'm sure Richard feels some type of way having spent all that money on a practice facility that they don't use. Good point. There's not a lot of places where Dan Snyder is welcome anymore, I would say. You remember um, in the Simpsons episode where they build the monorail and uh, mm-hmm. and I forget Phil Hartman's character, Lyle, whatever the character's name is. Um, Lyle Landley. Lyle Landley, thank you. The name's Landley. Lyle Landley. You remember when he gets on the plane and they land in one of the places where he sold the monorail and they go on the plane to beat the shit out of him? Yep. I feel like that's if Dan Snyder landed anywhere in the eastern United States, he'd probably get a similar reaction. At least the mid-Atlantic. So Dan Snyder, you didn't win any conference titles, but you are now a proud undie, a proud undie winner, I should say. Did and, they ever even win the division with him? Uh, like a, a couple of times. I wasn't, okay. uh, you know. I mean, they managed to somehow run RG3 into the ground. Yes. In 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 a in one year. It was very impressive. It somehow ruined that man's career. Yeah. Although now he's doing well on TV. So you know what? Salute you, RG3. For yeah, but like, my God. Yeah. My God. Well, as Dan Snyder has won a hotly contested man of the year, it's not that there's a lack of candidates for women for woman of the year, excuse me. Um, it's just that there's kind of one clear winner, and I'm not even going to waste time pretending it's not Taylor Swift. When we did the show last year, we talked about how Taylor Swift was on top of the world to a level we hadn't seen in a long, long time, even in our lives. I'm not sure, like, in our conscious lifetime, how many artists have been at that. Like, Michael Jackson in the 80s was bigger, and, you know, a few people were, but, like, in the last 10 or 15 years even I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this I, I can't think of anybody in the English speaking yeah me neither like, like we, we could, you could say BTS yes you know what you're right BTS would be right up there and um, but that's that's eight guys right this is one woman or seven I don't who, who yeah. knows how many who cares yeah. well don't let the BTS stands come for us because they will fucking rip our throats I don't give a shit army <laughs> I have nothing to lose that's true Come get me. I'll feel something for once. And uh, <laughs> Your booze mean nothing. I've seen what makes you people cheer. <laughs> you call me? I'm right. So you're right. So BTS is on that level where they could also sell it like SoFi Stadium six nights in a row. Yeah. For, for a singular artist, I went yeah, to you. I, 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 don't, I, I, I am, I am I, struggling to think of a singular artist. For some perspective, the, the movie of Taylor Swift's tour, not the tour, the movie sold out in minutes and gross like a hundred million dollars opening weekend. The con- the movie of the tour. 
that's it. The tour alone was an economic engine across yes. the country. There, then, is, there, is, there is corollary evidence that wherever the tour went, businesses saw a something like 8 to 12% increase in revenue. Yep, from all the hotels, all the Airbnbs, all the Ubers, all the restaurants. You're right, it was a boom for those areas. All of the, all of the restaurants and all of the like independent shops that saw people coming in to spend money yep. on clothing for the outfits. Yeah, and she re- I think she re-released at least one more album, maybe two, but I know at least one. Um, those, yeah. those were chart toppers yeah, again. Yeah, she did uh, 1989. Nine, I yeah, I think you're right. I think she's only got a couple more to re-release. I think. I look. We're not. We're not really Swifties. Don't quote us on this, but we think we have a general understanding. But yeah, no. Look, I, the the ten minute version of All Too Well still haunts. That's still what, haunts. That's me. why I was remembering because you actually gave that your song of the year. I think a couple. Of, oh yeah. yeah, years ago. It was, it was like yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm like I like Taylor Swift. Fine, I just don't know her music that well. But um, yeah. She's, She's she fine. she doesn't make she does not make music that particularly appeals to me, but I have no strong feelings against it. I, I'm similar. I liked Midnight's a lot, but that's the only album of hers I ever listened to. I before. like. There are plenty of songs I've heard from her where I've been like, "Yeah, this doesn't do it for me." Then there are a bunch where I've been like, "Oh, this is good." Yeah, exactly. So like, you get you, you take the good with the bad. Yeah. Like, I, I think that she's. I think she's got a deeper discography than Queen. And by the way, for the record, uh, whatever Taylor Swift is doing is working. So it probably doesn't matter whether a 31 yeah, what, and 33-year-old guy think it's the best. Yeah, what us, what us schmucks think. Especially when you hear who we're about to nominate for Album of the Year, which David is your category. And it's about to be Wash City up in here. Uh, I mean, my really only suggestion is Boy Genius, the album. Yeah, I was going to throw in Nas had two great well, albums. Record, but guess, like, but yeah, I... I I didn't listen to a lot of albums this year. I, Nas had two great ones other than that. I don't. So I trusted David with this. And yeah, I don't know another Boy Genius. I don't know their work very well, but I do. I have liked them. The few songs I've heard and I saw them in SNL a few weeks ago. I really liked them. Uh, and David, what was your opinion of the album overall? It's an album that I've looked forward to for a little bit. Just like hearing bits and pieces, you know, songs and snippets and like two of the three members are artists who independent work I like a lot Phoebe Bridgers and Lucy Dacus mm-hmm. um, I like a lot I'm not super familiar with Julian Baker but like one of those things where I clearly like this so I'm going to dive in at some point to more Julian's independent stuff mm-hmm. um, I don't want to say it's fun because like not a lot of it's upbeat but like it's just so well done the, the interplay between them as artists and musicians because like they don't all do the same kind of thing. They don't all do the same sort of song structure or even work with the same producers, but like they have this chemistry together that really makes for, I think, a fantastic album. And you know what? At the end of the day, yes, we're goofballs, but we do appreciate a well-structured album. We are we are both two wash boys who love an album structure, front to back, title sequencing, vibe, all that, so... I look, I, you know, we joke we joke about being Wash Boys, but like, God, I love I love me some sad music. You know what? I love me some sad boy shit. Me too. Put on some, put on a Billie Eilish song at the right moment, and your boy is very happy. Uh, put on a, a vibey song, a lo-fi song. I'm with you. So, uh, my favorite Outkast album is AT Aliens, partially because of the emotional highs and lows I go through on that album. So, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm with you on that. Uh, we'll go from album of the year to song of the year. Uh, I got a few nominees. David, were there any off the top of your head or on your list, maybe from your Spotify rap that kind of stick out to you? Goodness. Let's see. So the, the, the qualifier, I mean, my song of the year nominee is probably going to be really pick any number of, pick any one of the, uh, Noah Khan collaboration remixes, but specifically for me, uh, the, uh, collaboration with Hosier for Northern Attitude and Casey Musgrave for She Calls Me Back with, with the She Calls Me Back uh, re-release and uh, Post Malone for the Dial Drunk re-release. I don't know how you feel about Post Malone because I'm not, I'm not always seeking his stuff, but there are plenty of Post Malone songs where I'm I'm with you. I'm like, this is a vibe. He's, I'm really he's another guy who's clearly like doesn't make the he's not necessarily doing what I like all the time but like stuff that I've heard from him definitely very catchy like 
his work on the uh, the Spider-Man soundtrack. Yep. Outstanding. Yep. Uh, you know, I obviously like the song he did with Noah Khan a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. We also got to consider Olivia Rodrigo's Guts. What is the the song off of this? Uh, oh, this uh, all, all, all American bitch was really good. All American bitch, bad idea, right? Both great. I had uh, uh, I have a few. I mean, some of them are are you know rap. I thought. I didn't think Drake's album was really good, although the like six songs he added, he re-added a few weeks later were great. Um, first person shooter with him and J. Cole was tremendous. J. Cole carries that. I, I, I don't disagree that J. Cole, J. Cole had the best verse in the song by far, but I thought both of them did really well. Nas had a couple great ones, Tisk and Abracadabra from those two albums. Miley Cyrus album cut, not something you would hear from me every day, but Island from the uh, Endless Summer Vacation album. Island's a great song. That's another like vibe song for me. Um, <laughs> Crash Adam's Sugar Mommy, which I'm not even sure if it's like a song that's meant to be serious, but I appreciate that they said, you know what? Men can also rely on someone else to be their income provider. I appreciate that. That was a very forward-thinking song, especially in 2023. David, I still have not seen this movie, although it's on Max, so I could watch it soon. Uh, Dance the Night by Dua Lipa from the Barbie soundtrack. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great song. That is an A. Great movie. Honestly, a lot of fun. I- I'm you actually... take advantage of... I have given you access to the Max account. You need to take advantage. Which I am using right now to watch this Pelicans uh, Grizzlies game. Yes, um, but yes, I actually do want to watch that. And you know what? I'm off all this week. Off time to watch it. Uh, here you is should the... definitely do that. Ryan Gosling is a treasure. Here's the winner for song of the year. It is. It makes sense when you think about it. You mentioned Hozier earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lead single off his new album, the Cell, not the lead single, but it was one of his big singles, The Selby Part 2. Now, you at home may think, hey, isn't that nepotism? You're only voting for it because it has your name in it. Yes, and? Yes, and. Uh, that's exactly why it's winning. So the fuck what? Now, it's a great song. It's a great song. So I'm not, it, it, it earned it. Um, and at first, David knows this, I was mad that I thought Hozier was trying to steal my clout. I worked hard for the Selby name. I was trying to make it our brand, and I thought he was just trying to hop on a trend. But the song did really well, so I figured, why don't I hop on this train instead, and we go along for the ride. I think that was probably for the best. Uh, the chorus is great. I, I just love the whole structure of the song. So in a very uh, self-serving way, Hozier gets uh, his first ever Undie Award for his song of the year with the Selby Part 2. And to Selby Part 1, the intro to the album, I'll give a tip of the cap. It's just a Gaelic poem, but works for me. Uh, uh, Bethany and I will actually be seeing Hozier in 2024. Oh, at the uh, Cap One Arena? No, at Merriweather. Right, 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 right. I, I think I know someone else is going to that. That should be a fun show. I'm so excited. I am so excited to be a feral little creature. <laughs> frolic, in the, frolic in the grass. A slightly different vibe than the Clips concert we went to, I'm guessing. I, you know, distinctly. <laughs> it's slightly me showing up, me showing up in, in a fitted and a rum the jewel sweatshirt would be decidedly out of place. <laughs> uh, Not just because it'll be in May. Yeah. So moment of the year. This is a this is one of our favorites, and David and I were discussing a few beforehand that could win. David, I forgot to mention this on the show when we found out the story because it technically didn't happen this year, but I thought you would like this, that Stephen King revealed that his wife almost left him because he loved the song Mambo Number no. 5 so much. Did you not see this? You know, I don't think I recall this, but I love it. Yeah. I think it's hysterical. He basically said he loved that song so much he had the CD single. He said he wore it out. He, uh, he, he played both sides until it was just worn. Yeah, he had the dance mix. And then his wife said to him, one more time, I'm going to fucking leave you. You know how much we love the late, great Lou Bega on this show and how much we love that song. So, Stephen King, we salute you for that. Cardi B throwing that mic at that fan. We talked about it on the Hip Hop Countdown. I mean, that was just a great moment. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Delaney Irving, who, a Canadian woman who did the, they have the cheese rolling competition. David, I'm sure you've seen that. I've, I've seen this. Oh, before. yeah. The, the bath, the bath, or is it not bath? Uh, Brockworth, uh, Brockworth. Yeah, but, the, the cheese competition where they race a wheel of cheese down a hill. Yeah, and, and then, then try and people run after it. And then they have to roll down. Yeah. Um, it basically sounds more dangerous than playing uh, 
American football without a helmet is basically how it's... It just seems like a death wish, but... It is the whitest thing I've ever so, seen. Now... And you're talking to somebody who watches first-person video of <laughs> people doing uh, full mountain, downhill mountain bike races. That is pretty white. So Delaney, who is 19 years old, won the race despite the fact that she was knocked out cold for the last bit of the race as she was rolling down. That... I love a sport where you can win simply by being there. Exactly. That is peak athleticism. That's amazing. Not even conscious. Yeah. Still win. That's bragging rights forever. I'm so good I won and I wasn't even awake for it. You win that forever. Um, Yeah, that's bragging rights forever. uh, Another moment of the year on a slightly different but still salutable moment. And I, I I didn't have the article pulled up, just the headline though. A 29-year-old New Jersey woman enrolled in high school and pretended to be a teenager for a period of time. Look, <laughs> I'm 31. David's 33. Creepy. If we were anywhere near a high school, we'd probably be kicked off the premises and they might call the police. <laughs> Just We could be there for legit reasons. This is a 29-year-old woman who is who enrolled in high school and apparently was there for a while. I... I don't know how I feel about it. I just know that it's a worthy underemployed nomination because we thrive on the weird. Um, yeah, you know, this is very true. How do you do, fellow kids? What? We also, he's been mentioned once, but we have to we have to consider George Santos being removed from Congress. Absolutely. What a, of the year. What a crazy story. <laughs> the fact that it kept unraveling more and more. It just got more and more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The fact that there are like OnlyFans models on Twitter who were like, oh yeah, no, I remember communicating with this guy and he asked me to rate his dick. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that. Because there's so much that happened in this story. Um, a worthy nominee. It falls just short of the winner. In the history of Underemployed, uh, David has been lucky enough to see the Capitals win a Stanley Cup Finals. Yes. And I've been very lucky to see the Lakers win the 2020 NBA championship. Speaking of which, I'm going to pause. I just saw John Morant hit the game winner. That's actually pretty well. Just an absolute bucket. Um, So I've seen, and we've both, even though David doesn't really care for baseball and I'm a Giants fan, it was also really cool seeing the Nats win a World Series and repping the city proud. That was fun. It was really cool. It was fun to be in DC during the playoff run. Yeah. But nothing can compare to the thrill and excitement that the world saw for the inaugural in-season tournament this fall where the Los Angeles Lakers won, proving once and for all that the in-season tournament is worth more than the NBA Finals this year specifically. Uh, They hung the banner last night as we were recording this. An all-time great moment. The City of Angels went wild. I felt a pride that I had not felt in years. Let's just be honest, the NBA in-season tournament, we've done nothing but praise it. Uh, we say it's a great name, it's a great trophy, it's it's fantastic. Now the Lakers have won it, it's my favorite thing I'm of the year. I'm rolling my eyes so hard, I oh. might knock myself out. But that's okay, because the Lakers brought joy back to me, and that's what matters to us. So thank you to the Lakers for winning the prestigious in-season tournament, and Silver Silver now resides in the City of Angels. As it should. I'm not hearing any disagreements from David, so. I, you know, Jack does the editing here, so even if I disagreed with him because, you know, Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. He's just going to bleep out what I say. I sure am. The other thing, too, is um, now that AI technology has gotten so good, I could probably just get an AI thing and just have you say whatever I want on it, which could be fun. So just keep that in Those mind. It's going to cost you money. I've already sunken a lot of money into this podcast. Why not go deep? Why not just go full out? You know, that's also fair. Uh, um, if I, I, I will, though, if I may, mm-hmm. um, allow me to have a, serious, ha- have a serious moment. Sure. As we, as we sort of get towards the end of this, it was announced recently that the Washington Wizards and Capitals will be moving to a yet to be built facility. In Alexandria, Virginia. I was going to mention that in in memoriam, but yes. Uh, Uh, I I think this deserves something more serious than an in memoriam. Uh, I think we really have to talk about the genuine disservice that Ted Leonsis is doing to his fan base by moving the team 
out of the city into a really socially desolate place. Yeah, my, um, yeah. There's not anything happening. In, I mean, Alexandria's got stuff going on, but that area. But is, that like, portion of Alexandria is already enough of a, a hassle to deal with yes. logistically, and to now add nineteen thousand people. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, is just is just an absolute nightmare. Also, like it's gonna be it's gonna be such a hassle to get to. You're yeah. gonna do to your fan base the same thing that the Niners did when they moved out of the city into you know 40 miles away. Yeah, like I, I know that grand scheme, they're only moving what, four-ish miles as a crow flies. Yeah. But like you're across the river. Like one of the coolest parts about Capital One is that it is so easy to get to. Yep, you get off the metro and it's right there. And I was telling this to my uh, executive producer. If you drive there, it's not too hard to park. There's plenty of decent lots in that area, so it's not. Yeah, and there's plenty of lots that like aren't outrageously priced. Yeah, but so I'll add. I'm just I'll, dumb. I, like, I'm, it I'm just bummed stinks. too. Because that arena too in DC really helped revitalize a struggling part of the city, and it really did well. Like there are always examples of places that were kind of cash like you know like whatever didn't work and that one is yeah. always an example of no that worked and it really really rejuvenated that area and i'm with david it just it's a bummer and it's it's we're handing it's it's just the the virginia government is again gonna hand a man with more than enough means to afford this construction free money to do it well and that's another discussion and that's another discussion because there's always you know, how much goes into it, and were they negotiating in good faith? I don't know. My point would be, if you're gonna build that stadium anywhere in Virginia, you gotta, you've gotta do it in Falls Church, right? Like, there's plenty of money, there's plenty of space, you could redo the yeah, state there's theater. So much, there's so much space in the smallest independent city in the country. Put, put a, you know what, you put a second deck on that state theater, who's gonna tell the difference? You can easily fit, I don't know, I mean, if you can fit 600 people in there right now, if I'm guessing, you'd probably easily fit 19,000 with a few more adjustments. I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not too crazy for saying that. We now move on to something slightly less serious. It is the, we've mentioned him a bunch already. The George Santos personality of the year. Now, David, there are so many to choose from. I know how much you enjoyed this story. I've also enjoyed this story. I've got to be a little more careful with how I comment on it just because of my job, but I'm not too worried. So the floor is yours for all the various personalities that George Santos has said he is. So how do you feel? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, God, it's, it's, it's truly a laundry list. Like mm-hmm. It is an impressive, nearly never-ending variety of schemes and scams that he has run on people and pretended to be. Uh, he's pretended that he has family who have survived the Holocaust. He's pretended that he's had family who were, you know, like immigrants from other countries. Like it's just, it's just a never ending laundry list of things. It's one of those situations where you could never imagine writing something this ridiculous because you would simply be told that it's just not viable. He's too ridiculous. And yet here we are. And yet, here we are. Yeah, somehow it happened. So which way are you leaning? Is there any one in particular that strikes your fancy? Uh, the one that was ske- that was scamming for the dog-related charity. I'm actually unfamiliar with this one, if you don't mind telling me this. Okay, so he is accused of... George Santos started a GoFundMe for a military veteran whose dog was in poor health and needed medical treatment. So Santos raised... $3,000 on GoFundMe and then took off with the money. Hmm. I mean, I'm not going to defend that behavior. Uh, that certainly seems like a bad thing to do, but got to hear both sides. Maybe George had a reason for it. Uh, maybe his dog was sicker. Uh, you don't want You don't. I didn't, we can't even believe that he ever even had a dog. I, he probably didn't have a dog. <laughs> so I'm with you. Having just heard that one for the first time or just remembering it now, um, that's gotta win the award. That's a pretty that's a pretty wild move to make, as, especially as a an elected representative of the United States of America. There really aren't that. I mean, 
in the grand scheme of the country, there are 350 million of us, and there's only 435 people repping the whole country like that. So, to be someone who's stealing GoFundMe money for a, from a veteran, or making a fake scheme about it, I should say, is... It's incredible. It's incredible. It's, it's just... It's, it's, it's a damnation and a condom... Like, it's, it's, it's condemnable behavior just on our society as a whole that we allowed this man to... To do what he did, I mean, granted, you know, we have to talk about due process and like this and that, but my God, yeah. the fact that he was never censured or really meaningfully disciplined until more than a year, more than almost two years into his term, almost at the end of his term. Well, the fact that you mentioned earlier, the fact that he was removed at all is impressive because they, especially now where everything's so hyper uh, partisan. partisan and politicized, no one wanted to do it. And they still said, yeah, you got to go. Like, that's really impressive. So... George Santos, we don't approve of what you did, but in terms of the content you provided, no one was better in 2023 than George Santos. We don't approve, but we, we have to acknowledge. Exactly. The, the motto of the undies. Um, from George Santos to Problematic NBA Player of the Year is the first time we've had this category. Several good nominations. David, the first two that come to mind, we actually just saw them play uh, on our background. John Morant and Zion Williamson. And uh, we've said this before. Two slightly different reasonings, but John ja Morant's was, I couldn't stop waving guns on Instagram. Repeated lot. Here's the thing. Like, he has a Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Yeah. He, however, does not have a constitutional right to play in the NBA. Yes. And also, <laughs> he definitely didn't have a right to carry it on an airplane to Colorado, which they're fearful is the first incident that happened, that he brought it into that strip club with them. Yeah. Um, so that, and then when he, he apologized and the NBA brought him back and then two months later, I mean, we've talked about this on the show, but two months later, then he was on Instagram live waving a gun on his friend's Instagram. It's just like, like that's the thing is I would, I would take exception or I, you know, I, I, I would feel a little bit stronger about it if it was like, oh, John Morant posted himself at a fire grade safely. Using a weapon. Yes. That's fine. You'd be That's like, whatever. you'd be like, hey, not the best look, but whatever. It's legal. I don't care. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, you're tacitly advocating for the safe usage of a firearm, yeah. which, like, there's really not much you can say about right. that. Not the best. Like, not yeah, the- I wish you wouldn't. Yeah, not the best messenger, but okay. But like you said, he's just waving some shit around. He's just waving. He's waving a gun on, on, on Instagram. Yeah. And it's like, but we have all of these interviews about how you're, like, you didn't have like a, a rough childhood. You didn't have a tough no. upbringing. And and like, good, by the way, you shouldn't have to. Like that's really great. Yeah, your parents worked yeah, hard. You shouldn't, you shouldn't desire for that. Yeah, you're already you're already set for the rest of your life with the money you've made. Yeah, and like, so, don't be an idiot. So we'll see. He he just had his first game back tonight, and as as we were recording, had a, he had a the, performance. He had a 34 in the game, the buzzer beater. So maybe yeah. he's changed, but uh, we'll see. And the other uh, player, Zion Williamson, different. Dave and I were talking more about this beforehand, but the long and short of it is, and David mentioned this, he doesn't... Actually, David, you can do a better job of saying what the reports are within the locker room. So the, the, the issue with Zion seems to be that no one doubts his, his innate ability. Mm-hmm. No one even seems to doubt that he's a... a not even good, but a fine teammate. He's just, from all reports, just deeply unserious about getting better at playing basketball. And if it's, in the, what four or five years now that he's been out of college, he has not developed a jump shot. Right. This is fifth year. He, yeah. It's his fifth year. Yeah. He is no better at shooting the ball now than he was when he came out of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, his conditioning. Is no better now than it was when he came out of college. In fact, it's much worse, actually. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think I remarked to you earlier that, you know, he's he's been on the floor for less than five minutes and he's already jogging. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if a team is going to invest $200 million in you and a city really, and, you're spo- and a city really wants to represent, you know, you to represent them and has pride in you, I mean, you got to try harder. Dave and I were talking about this. Like, you don't have to love your job, but no, you have to try. Are, yeah, you are no... That's the thing is, like, I don't expect professional athletes to 
be enamored and have it be the only aspect of their personality. In fact, I wish that it wasn't. Yeah. But like to be so clearly uninterested in getting any better is is really disappointing when he's been the most hyped to that point he was the most hyped prospect since LeBron. Yes. And like the the other thing that I, I remember saying when we were talking about this earlier, like John Morant and Zion AA, like high school AAU teammates and have taken drastically different paths since then and it shows in how they have maintained themselves and how they have, have I mean, until the last year or so, Jaw was like a model pro. He was committed and working on 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 the on the craft consistently. He was a player who had was not a great outside shooter in college and has gotten and had gotten to be a better one in the pros. Mm-hmm. Like he has he has developed facets to his game beyond just fast and explosive. Yes. Zion appears to still just exclusively rely on the fact that he's a fucking freight train. Yeah. And I think two things. One, there's a really good ESPN.com article I'd recommend. I don't know if you've read it about kind of the inside of Jaws' downfall within the Memphis organization that he did start. And like the cracks were starting to show early on, but it just started to unravel more and more and more. The other yeah. thing, uh, I said this last year, it's not my line, but I do love it, that it's the most American thing possible that this potentially great rivalry has been derailed by obesity and guns. It's a tragedy. Yeah, it's, it's, it, is, it is America in a nutshell. Um, and the most American thing in a nutshell is that neither of them won this award. The most problematic NBA Player of the Year award has to go to uh, Draymond Green because Draymond Green can't stop hitting people or choking people yeah. or kicking people. He can't. He cannot. Listen, have I been upset in my life? Yes, I have. Have I gotten in trouble for my anger problems? Yes, I have, actually. It's it's been an issue at work before. However, I can say proudly, I've never punched anybody in my life. I've never gotten in a fight in my life. Uh, Draymond Green cannot seem to not uh, find himself in the center of episodes, as we will call them. Uh, He just recently got suspended indefinitely for swinging at a player um, and then trying to pretend it was a natural motion. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He tried to, he tried to play it off as he sells fouls with his hands. Yes. He doesn't flop. And I don't remember if we talked about it on the show. I don't think we did. But before then, he got suspended for choking Rudy Gobert right in the middle of a basketball court. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yeah, putting Rudy Gobert in a headlock. Luck. It's like Dylon did not choke uh, Wyclef with as much force as Draymond was putting uh, Rudy in a chokehold. You're too close, man. You're too close. He had he punched Jordan Poole when they were teammates last year. He famously got suspended in the 2016 NBA Finals for kicking, uh, I think, Andrew Bogut in the nuts. And he got suspended a game, and that may have cost the Warriors their 3-1 series lead, ultimately. Um, the dude is... I, You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not as serious as, ultimately, as the Joss stuff. It's not as serious... It's... It's still ultimately kind of funny. It's just Draymond's got a lot of shit to figure out, I'd say, David. I, you know, it, it all comes back to what is believed to be what Jordan Poole said to him that caused Draymond to lash out, which was that he is an expensive backpack for Steph. Now, that's a really funny line. If I were Draymond, I would also be offended and upset. But deep down, I'd also be like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Draymond, here's the thing. Like, Draymond is, he's an elite role player, and he always has been an elite role player. Yeah, no shame he's in never that. A guy, he's never a guy who's going who's gonna to score you 35. Yeah. He's, he's a defensive, he's a, def, he's a defense first player. And, mm-hmm. like, it is fine to be that, but, man, he's just, it's just really, it's, just, it's another one. It's just, like, just yeah. disappointing. Disappointing, yeah. Like, just really disappointing. Like, until he, I mean, you know, obviously there was the kick in the groin earlier in the in his career, more than once actually. He's oh yeah, he's kicked several times, groin. and he's had three incidents this year. Yeah, yeah, he's. I forget. I, I forget what the first one was, but he had one right at the he, start of the season. He's he's approaching Rashid Wallace or Ben Wallace's no uh, Rashid, ejection record. Rashid Wallace, yeah. Rashid Wallace's ejection record. It's yeah. just like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's impressive in a not great way i guess yeah uh, yeah it's it's 
it's igno- it's ignominious. Mm-hmm. It's infamous. It's like it's we're we're watching this Warriors team kind of collapse in real time. I know, which is crazy. They won the title two years ago, so they yeah, you know, but that was their last gasp, I guess. And hey, you know what? Also, Draymond. Not only do you have four NBA titles in your trophy case, you're now an undie winner. So it's not all bad for you. Just you know, take your suspension to listen to this show, think about what you've done, and then you can come back and be a new man. Yeah, I mean, I, I said that it needs to be significant. What does it end up being? Uh, indefinite. So at least yeah. like a, at least three to four weeks, there he has to go through counseling and stuff. We'll see. John Moran, John Moran had the same thing, and then he acted out two months later. So who knows? Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, we'll see. I, I sincerely hope that there is somebody in Draymond's life to whom he will listen who says to him, you're at the twilight of your career, man. Like, do you want this to be your legacy? Yeah. Do, do you, do you really want hitting Yusuf Nurkic to be like <laughs> yeah. your highlight of the year? Yeah. Do you want choking out Rudy Gobert, a player who like, you, for some reason, have decided you have beef with yeah. a player that the, the, the media in general like, doesn't dislike, doesn't under, doesn't totally respectfully in, in Gobert. I don't know. It's, yeah. just, it's, it's, it's baffling. It is baffling. That's a good word for it. Truly baffling. So we now move on to one of our favorite, probably our favorite category of the year, the David Hart Memorial Hot Take of the Year category. Uh we had a few beforehand. We were trying to figure out some good ones. And I did not do a great job of keeping up with hot takes specifically. Um, George Santos, again. <laughs> George Santos is dominating these Undie Awards. Um, by proxy, has to be a nominee for Hot Take of the Year. Um, David, I was actually saying earlier in the show, I remembered that we kind of have to mention what just happened on the Senate floor, right? And the response that the person made to it. No, I, I have not heard. So... A uh, a staffer, I for, I forget with who, but a staffer videotaped themselves having sex. Oh uh, yes, yeah. So I, I yeah, so this this could have been a late entry for a moment of the year. Yeah, yes. The staffer who videotapes themselves having sex in a hearing room, and yeah, then hearing somehow room. has the audacity yes. to say that people criticizing them are homophobic. Phobic. And it was, it was he videotaped it posted it, bragged about it, then got in trouble for a litany of understandable reasons. And then like David said, said, whoa, this is homophobic to hate it. No, they're not mad that you were having sex with a man in the room. They were mad that you were having sex in the room and then videotaped it. <laughs> and nothing to do with who you were having sex with. Oh my God. I mean, there are some people who are mad yes, about you're who right. you're having sex you're with. You're right. But... Rational people are more concerned about the fact that you're filming yourself having sex in a Senate hearing, right? Yes, and then releasing. It's like if you and I robbed a bank, which could be a fun future underemployed episodes if we live stream it. And we got away with yeah, it. Yeah, there is, there exactly is the problem. Live streaming us committing a crime. Yes, and then <laughs> bragged about it and posted it to Instagram and said, we got the money, y'all. And then when we got arrested for it, said, whoa, you guys are just racist against white people. It's like, no, we're mad that you robbed a bank. Yeah, you can't do that. So. Yeah, that's, that's bad behavior. So I don't even know if bank robbing is like. I don't even know if we even need to go that serious. Actually, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's just, it's just like doing something you know you shouldn't do in your workplace, yes. and then filming yourself and getting caught. Yeah, because you voluntarily posted it to a group chat. Yeah, the same thing would happen at my workplace. Like, that, it, it could be the same thing. It, it's not who, it's the fact that you did it and that you bragged about it and there's a reputation to a poll. Yeah, you can't do it, so. Yeah, there's a certain level of, like, professionalism and decorum that are expected of Senate aides. Uh, and then another good nominee, uh, could be the winner, but it's David's call. This is his category, um, is the Buffalo Bills head coach, Sean McDermott. And, and David, what exactly did we find out that Sean McDermott did in 2019. You know, I don't remember. I, I, I got, to refresh my that's fine. So in 20, it was revealed this month that in 2019, Sean McDermott, who again is the coach of the bills, uh, in a team meeting, citing the need, need for team unity, cited the nine 11 hijackers, an example of great coordination that was executed. Well, what? now here's what happened. McDermott realized that was not great, and an hour later issued an apology. 
Uh, here's the issue in general. I guess what he's saying is not technically inaccurate. It's just an awful analogy. <laughs> you just, you know what I mean? Like, you just, by the bears of technicalities, I guess he's right. But it's not that serious. It's a football game, my guy. Yeah, I, you know, this is one of those things about football and the football guy and the, like, yeah. football brain is that, like, the game is the only thing you care about. And, like, right. I just... Yeah, more more in football than any other sport. It's there. Like, it's in every sport, but not to the degree that it's in football. Yes. Like, baseball and basketball, you're allowed to have other interests. Basketball, I think it's, it's even encouraged at this point. Yeah. To, like, be a more well-rounded, complete person. Uh, but football, it's it's football and football only. Yeah. And I think I think some portion of that is the I mean, it's just, it's just a weird it's a weird culture to football that I just find perverse. Yeah, I mean I played football. There was a there was always a elements of that. It's different at a low high school level, but like yeah, it's there and it's weird and and yeah, this analogy sort of is the I think again McDermott realized like oh this was a football moment because he he called him back later and said guys that was too far and I'm sorry like. Like an hour later, he did. He didn't have to do it. I think he just realized in the moment. He's like, "That was." Yeah. Um, but also, in a in a terrible way, it's also kind of funny because, like David said, that your mind can get to that point where you're like, "This makes sense," and this is what I should use in the locker room to fire guys up. David, out of those three, those are the three that come to mind. Do you have any particular one you think could be winner? Uh, I gotta say, the thinking that you're being. Victimized for hosting a sex tape in a Senate hearing yeah, room. That's pretty, it's got to be the winner for that's me. That's pretty I, wild. Know, I, I realize that that one suffers from some recency bias. No, but, but it is I truly agree. unhinged. I know. It's. I agree. It's sort of recency, but it's also like, boy, that is so bizarre and a perfect story for this show because, boy, do we love weird, weird stories like that. And like you said, it's the combination of you did it, really bad idea. You videotaped it worse idea you bragged about it in a group chat an even worse idea and then you made a post making yourself the victim somehow an even worse idea that cake kept getting bigger to degrees i did not know it could get layered that was impressive yeah the the, the layers of delusion just astound the mind well whoever your whatever your name is i i'm too lazy to even look it up congratulations Maybe something yeah. double-barreled name perfect you know what You've, you've at least got an undie for your troubles, so I hope you're happy about that. We have one more award to give later, but before we get there, every year, of course, this is the moment where we do our In Memoriam segment where we remember those who and that we have lost. Um, we, we lost uh, meme dog Cheems, uh, one of the very first meme dogs as memes were becoming big in the 2010s internet. Uh, Cheems passed away at the ripe old age of 12. Uh, David, we talked about this on the show, the woman, the U.S. Women's World Cup team. Uh, high expectations and uh, just, I don't know, man. They, they just didn't make it. They just didn't make it. Your friend Henry Kissinger. <laughs> who? Who? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. I couldn't. Sorry, I couldn't say that with a straight face. <laughs> you have Rest any? in piss, Henry. <laughs> yeah, I figured you wouldn't enjoy that. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I was willing to look past you doing that to me for the Queen. I will not do it. I was going to say, if two years in a row you lost Queen Lizzie and Henry Kissinger, I will say it for the record, yes, David hates Henry Kissinger, probably happy he's dead. And uh, uh, You know, at this point, it, he's, he's a net, it's a net neutral that right. he's dead. Because he lived to 100, so, yeah. Yeah, like, I, uh, a podcast that I listen to, put it pretty pretty eloquently that there really is no justice in the world that Henry Kissinger got to die on his own terms at home in bed, probably. Like, you know, he didn't suffer. There was no excruciating pain. He doesn't get to... He doesn't, he doesn't see any of the cosmic... He doesn't, he's not victim to any cosmic retribution for the pain and suffering that he caused. That's, I uh, I won't comment only because it's it's too close to my line of work of commenting on a news story, but I, but I did want to at least let David get that chance to uh, give his feelings on Kissinger because I know how he felt. And I did want to mention, because we got the story in the news, actually, I remember. So there was Dorothy Hoffner, who was a 104-year-old Chicago woman 
who went skydiving for the first time ever. I remember because we I wrote this story, and then just a couple weeks later she died. But she he said, you know, I always I don't know how much longer I have left. I really want to go skydiving. It seems really fun, and it was a good way to go out. And one of the reasons I bring this up is because another Chicagoan who is 104 years old, Sister Jean, still alive, still standing, still strong. The underemployed curse has not taken out Sister Jean. In fact, we have boosted her life expectancy, I think, in the six years we've done this show. Can't argue with science, David. You know, I can't. Can't argue with it. Trust the science. Trust the science. Trust the system, too. The underemployed system works. We've come to the end of our show, and we appreciate the, I don't know, 14,000 of you who have stayed through this show on what is a fairly cold night, but not too cold in Richmond. Um, It is the Lifetime Achievement Award Sister Jean, an aforementioned winner, uh, Shock G, a winner who then, you know, you know, didn't end well for Shock G. Um, Pete Davidson won last year, so we have to continue this great tradition. And initially, my idea was going to be, and this is actually going to initially also be the winner for um, Problematic NBA Player, was Marcus Jordan, the son of Michael Jordan, being engaged to Larsa Pippen, Scotty Pippen's ex-wife. Now, as David pointed out to me, he you listened to Pablo his their interview with Pablo Torre on his podcast, and as you said, it wasn't you know it made them more empathetic, right? I they certainly tried, yeah. I, which is a better it's a, a better deal than I certainly would have given them. Yeah, and you know what? And that's fair. Now, is it still really, 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 really funny for Michael Jordan's son to be dating Scottie Pippen's ex-wife? It's funny no matter how you slice it. It's just great comedy. Especially when Marcus Jordan wants his dad to give his best man speech. Yes. <laughs> Which, knowing how competitive Jordan is, he will still probably do and still try and throw Scotty under the bus. That might be the best part. It became personal with me. He'll say... I mean, we, know who's not, we certainly know who's not yet to get an invitation for that wedding. <laughs> oh, you think Scotty's not going? <laughs> yeah, he'll say, invitation or not, Scotty's not going. <laughs> He'll have something to do that weekend. And that would have been a good winner. But David and I decided that there was one winner that... When we talked about things that embody the spirit of this podcast... Boy, there was a movie earlier this year that truly delve deep into the soul of David and myself. It is the legendary, the classic, the cinematic masterpiece known as Cocaine Bear. David, what is Cocaine Bear about? There, it, okay. there you go. Do we need to explain more? No. It writes itself. It's, it, it's great. It's, it's, it's the strangest workplace comedy of all time. <laughs> if your workplace is selling cocaine and Georgia in the 80s. You know, I hadn't looked at it that way, David. But I suppose, much like Office Space in the 90s, this movie does define a workplace generation. Uh, Well, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is a good perspective on it. And... I'm going to petition Rotten Tomatoes to make it a workplace comedy. You know what? That could be our new underemployed goal. We tried to buy the Mercury. It didn't work. We tried to. We tried a lot of stuff that hasn't quite gotten there yet. Our new goal, make Cocaine Bear a workplace comedy. Wikipedia, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes. Find a legitimate, respected avenue that will accept this as a, as a genre. And we will make it work. Uh, well, that is an end to what has been a spectacularly fun under uh, on the awards every year. It, it Like Christmas, it comes creeping up before you know it, and then all of a sudden, it's undie season, all the kids are happy, they're all dressed in their gold attire, and there are people with uh, David, with the you know the David hats and the Jack shirts, and it's all great, and the platonic friend Julie signs, and it's just, it's so fun to see the people out here. Um, David, I'm, I'm hoping you have a fun, you got anything fun planned for the holidays with Bethany? No. I mean, there will be fun. There is fun to be had, but like, we're not, you know, we're not doing anything spectacular. We don't have any like big plans. We're hanging out with family. That's sometimes the best way to do it. So hopefully you have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah. Doing as little as driving, doing as little driving as possible. That's also the best way to do Christmas. Uh, If you can drive, because I assume you guys are just driving to Stafford. Yep. There you go. It's what, a 15 minute drive? Ah, 25, 30. Okay. Still, still the pretty easy way to do Christmas. We can take back roads the whole way there, baby.
exit. Then there you go. Um, so hopefully you have a wonderful Christmas. You as well, sir. I appreciate that, David. And we will see you. You know what? We're going to try come hell or high water to make this guest episode that we've been trying to make happen happen by in January. That's our, that's our underemployed goal for 2024. This episode we've been trying to make happen will happen at some point. If not, we'll see you for the year, for the, uh, for the anniversary show. Merry Christmas, everybody. And Happy New Year. Oh yeah, oh yeah.